Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. I know a lot of female entrepreneurs, and they're so busy working in the business and trying to grow it and trying to improve it that often they're not taking the time to figure out what it is they actually want on the other side. Once they get to that point of what they determine as success, what does that look like? Do they keep going and hustling until they're 65 years old or do they have an exit in mind? My guest today is talking about building a business with the exit in mind. Jim Urban is one of the most highly sought after exit and succession experts for privately held business owners. His leadership has been recognized by the Inc. 5000 list as building one of the fastest growing companies in the nation, Urban Associates. A distinguished advisor in many areas of life and business, Jim is one of 500 senior American business leaders representing the private sector and business executives for national security, which is an invitation-only think tank that helps our national security become more efficient and effective. Jim is an established international speaker who shares his thought leadership around all things exit and succession related, including business continuity and executive retention for thousands of leaders and business owners every year. He has a proprietary method called succession by design, not default. So today we're going to talk about building your business with your exit in mind. Let's jump into it. Jim, welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Renee. I'm glad to be here. You're one of the first men that I'm interviewing for the She Who Wins podcast, but we don't we don't hate on men here. <laughs> I hope not. I'm nice no. and I'm kind. Be nice to me. <laughs> so one of the first things you said to me when we first had a conversation, you said something so interesting to me that I totally agree with, but I want your perspective on it. You said that you thought that females made better CEOs and entrepreneurs. And I would love to hear why you said that. Well, I said that because of experience. So I've got more male CEOs than females, but over the last 10 years or so, the female CEOs that we work with that own privately owned and or run privately held business owners, are just amazing. I have seen them really become amazing strategic thinkers. I see them getting many times less so wrapped up in their business and the identity that the business is them and they are the business. They really make sound decisions. They're a pleasure to work with. They have very realistic expectations and goals. And and there are a lot of men that do, but of late, I mean, I've, I've got CEO in, in Wisconsin. I've got one in deep South Texas. I have one in Montana. I mean, they're amazing. I, I'm so excited about the women that are coming up running privately held companies now. Well, 
Okay. So what's the difference? Like why, what are you seeing with, with the men? And we're not bashing men here. I'm just curious as to what the distinction is that sets women apart. I think, praise to God, this insane glass ceiling that has existed in the private business world. I mean, I'm, I know all the other places that it has existed. But of late, there have been many times where I think a husband and wife will be starting a company. And the men more often look over to their wives and go, you know what, you're better suited to run this than I am. Let me go sell or let me go run operations. And they do a fantastic job. And I really applaud the men that run it, that do a great job and, and let the women run with the company. I mean, the lady that runs my organization truly runs the organization. I'm, as I always say, jokingly, I'm the eye candy, but she's been with me <laughs> 10 years today. This is her 10 year anniversary and she's phenomenal. She, mm. she knows how to lead. She is in her mid thirties and just an up and comer. I'm very excited for Brittany as well as the other people around the country that I've seen ascend up to run awesome companies. So, all right, let's back up. I've already um, introduced you before, so I don't want to go into that again, but I do want you to share with the audience on how you got into doing what you do, because it is a very niche down specialty and not everyone can do it. Well, I'd love to tell you that I just had this genius idea, you know, kind of like Reese's peanut butter cups where the peanut butter met the chocolate. (laughs) Really, Renee, it happened. I was a wealth advisor, had a bunch of different clients, and we got famous 18 years ago in a case up in North Texas where a, a husband and wife owned and ran a successful company. Both of them passed away 18 months after hiring us from different forms of cancer. But I remember the the husband said to me, look, I know that you're doing all of this stuff, you know, the business stuff, the personal stuff and all of this. What I really need you to do, and I want you to listen to me. I said, okay, I want you to help me pack my parachute. And I want you to get me up in an airplane and then gently nudge me out when I'm high enough so that I can land in a nice green meadow and green, which I guess was money. And I want you to make sure that if my parachute doesn't open up, my backup parachute better open up or I'm going to haunt you. I don't care what else you do. If you get that done, that's exactly what I need. And it just triggered the concept that nobody's helping people figure out how they want to get out of their business, whether they want to sell to a third party, transfer to their kids or key executives and It's just a niche we've developed and really enjoyed throughout the country. This message is for the dreamers, doers, and goal getters out there. The She Who Wins Summit, a live event experience, is coming to Connecticut on April 28th and 29th, 2023. It's time to supercharge your soul so you can show up even more powerfully in your life, in your relationships, and in your business and career. Learn more at shewhowins.com. So, all right, I have a question for you because so many entrepreneurs and specifically female entrepreneurs that I see are constantly, they're hustling, they're grinding, they're working in the business and they're going day to day and week to week and not necessarily thinking about what the exit looks like on the other side. When should someone start doing that? I'm going to answer your question with a question. (laughs) All right. Renee, if you had a twin sister, 
that had an identical business of yours. Identical family, identical financial, identical, everything's identical. And you keep doing what you're doing. And she came up with a well-thought-out plan of how she was going to someday leave the business with a continuity plan in case something happens that doesn't destroy the business and her family, and a personal wealth alignment with her business exit so when the two of them come together, she's able to exit and live happily ever after with minimal risk. Who's more likely to have a better outcome? Oh, clearly she is. Correct. So the answer to that question is yesterday. You know, not many people in our business can help you and say, hey, Jim, I just got an offer. Is it the right number? There's not a lot we can do it. There's not a lot of wiggle room. We've got clients that we've worked with that are 12, 15 years away. You know, we value the business every year. We know where the personal wealth is. So we can see when the two of them hit. And we know that we can quantify the fact that they'll never run out of money, which is everyone's fear when they retire or exit. Especially, I'm going to say it, especially men. I'm going to go off on an expanded uh, answer to this. I see a lot of men that are so wrapped up in their business, it's their identity. I warn the spouses, listen, I want to know when Joe retires, he better figure out what plan B is or plan B is going to be at a mortician's office. Yeah. Women have had so many interests that aren't just the business. It doesn't mean they're not passionate and care about the business. They've ran kids. They've done all of this stuff with that. They're very social. They're very charitable. And they just tend to not get emotional about their departure, like if they're losing their identity. Yeah. And, you know, you and I spoke about this because I run a brick and mortar business and I've always knew that there was an exit plan happening at some point in the future. And for me, it's like, okay, I brought the business to where I wanted it to go. And now it's come to completion. Like it, my role here at, is coming to, to, to the end. And now what's next? What more can I do? What can I take on everything that I learned doing this and apply it to something different? And that's exciting to me. It's not like this, this fear of like letting go of something I built up. It's like, all right, I built this. Now let someone else step in and, and let it fly and I can move on and my lifestyle can change. But that mentality is what will keep you alive versus, I'm going to say it, I'm one, a man whose identity, what am I going to do? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've got men who have exited their business and their wives want to strangle them. Yeah. Um, I have a <laughs> funny story. One of my good friends retired from 35 years with a big insurance company. He got out of his shower the first morning of retirement, had a cup of coffee next to the sink. He thought this was great. He goes in, his wife prepared his breakfast. You know, he got the paper there. Do you need anything else? And he said, no. And she takes a newspaper and smacks him on the head and goes, wake up. You see this? This has been my office for 35 years. I didn't retire, so get out of my office tomorrow. <laughs> and it's very true. I mean, it, it, it wound up, he, he was an amazing man, but had a shortened life expectancy after that. And it was very unfortunate. So what is the key then? If the So for him or for anyone else who retires and doesn't know what their next chapter looks like? Well, statistically, this is one of the top three negative impacts to life expectancy for men. It's not women for the reasons that I have mm. 
discussed before. But the answer to the question, and I'll ask you, since you're exiting a brick and mortar business, you just answered that you're already taking what you've learned and going to go do the next thing. I have no worries about you because you've already answered the question of what are you going to do that's going to have you set your alarm clock and have something to wake up for that's not golf or fishing or chasing grandkids? Because those aren't hobbies that occupy your brain. It's all about your brain. Mm. Oh, that's so interesting. I love that. So what what common mistakes do you see entrepreneurs make as they're running their businesses that really inhibit their ability to exit it? Ironically, yesterday, one of our largest clients, three brothers were in the, in the office. And the con- they're such amazing organization. And the comment I had to them, I said, it's now time to get strategic because you can't get to X, which is really high, to Y without strategic thinking. And so many times it is hard for me to pull a CEO out and go, I need you to focus on working less in the business and work on the business. Oh, that's so hard. And that's such a great point because, and I think that that's something that entrepreneurs it happens all the time because you start the business because you're good at doing something. So I'll use myself like a lawyer. Lawyers often are good at just lawyering, but they really suck at running businesses. And so you see, I mean, I see these solo practitioners all over the place and they're so busy working in the business and doing the craft of what it is that brought them to the business to begin with. They'll, they cannot, the the business isn't efficient. They're constantly chasing receivables. They're constantly, you know, and and it's this, this grind. And, um, and you see that in every industry, I think, right? Like I know friends who are jewelry makers and they're so busy making the jewelry that they're not growing the business. So like, how do you you go from then becoming the person, the talent, so to speak in the business to stepping back and saying, okay, let me let other people step in and and generate the revenue and kind of keep the things going while I work on the business. Cause that's such an important distinction. And it's, it's very important for, for a person to look out and say, is this a a business, a a monetary figure we're trying to get to, or a time figure? Do you want to be out when you're 65 you want to be out when it's 25 million. I mean, what's, what is that? And build towards that. Once you know where you're going, it's a lot easier to adjust the sales than if you yeah. don't know where you're going and you're just going around in a circle in your sailboat wondering why you're not getting to a destination. Yeah. I, um, you know, personal experience for a really long time, I had this mindset that if I was not the one actually doing the work and billing the hours, no one else could do it like, like as much as I did. Right. So when I made the decision to stop taking clients, it was like, Oh shit, no one is, people are going to be mad that I'm not taking clients. I'm not, we're going to fall, you know, the business is going to fall apart. And the funniest thing happened. That was the year that we had our best year ever. And every year after that, that I was not actually working in the business, we have continued to scale and grow and smash our, you know, our seven figure numbers. And which is crazy. I'm like, oh, I guess I wasn't that needed in there after all. So I was in my own way. You were needed just like I was needed. I had a large client fire a missile over the bow and and warned me and said, I'm very worried that your business is too you centric. 
Yeah. And if you want to keep us and keep our family, you're going to have to be less eucentric. Now he calls. He's not even asking for me. I've got to go stick my head in a Zoom, say, hi, remember me? Yeah. But it's it makes it more valuable because it's, it's about legacy. What's the legacy of your business? And if it's all on you doing legal work, there's no legacy. Yeah. So is it your recommendation then? Because a lot of businesses, whether they're law offices or not, I see I see it frequently where someone's name is the business. What is your feelings on that? Because I feel like that keeps them as the person that everyone goes to. In my case, my name is on the business, but it's not me. I will tell you, I've got great planners. I've got great investment advisors. Many times I have to invoke myself into a Zoom just to say, as I said, hi to the clients. I like working on the special projects. I like sitting there with my planning team going, I think if we move this over here, it would work better given the client's objectives. And it's a lot more fun. I mean, I I enjoyed growing up in the business over the last 30 years, but it's more fun now doing podcasts like this, giving talks. And it's less about me. If I get hit by a bus, as soon as the podcast is over, the business will continue to run. We have an amazing emergency operating plan and everything will be going as normal. All right. Tell me about that. What is What does an emergency operating plan entail? Should we all have one? I don't have one. Yes. If you have a business. <laughs> all right. Tell me what it is. It answers the four W's. Who, what, when, and where. If you got hit by a bus, the first thing, if you didn't come back to your business and it were, even if it's not Renee centric, mm-hmm. What's your receptionist going to say when your largest client calls? Mm, okay. What is your key person going to say when I call them because I found out something happened to you and I say, oh, Jane, I'm sorry. Uh, poor Renee. I know these are challenging times for you. Hey, we've got an opening here. You know, if you'd like to come over and talk, let's have lunch. Mm, okay. That kills a business. I want to know who's in charge of the operations, who's in charge of administrative, because absence of written plan, everybody focuses. They all say, well, I have $50 million of life insurance and a buy-sell agreement. Hmm. That doesn't help the business. That just says who's going who's gonna to be the next owner. Yeah. I'm more interested in knowing how is a business going to continue to run if you're incapacitated or you have a predetermined death. I mean, and... What's the plan? Who does what? Yeah. And typically what happens when we get notified of these and there's no plan? Two different people remember two different conversations they had with Renee. One time you're at a play in New York and you say to, you know, Karen, if something happens to me, I need you to take over. And then you're at a baseball game in Boston and you tell Joe, if something happens to me, I need you to take over. And something happens to you and they both meet at the water cooler. Yeah. Have you uh, have you watched the series Succession? No, everybody tells me <laughs> I need to. And so with you, I probably will start watching it. I've got enough travel coming up. I got plenty of time to do it's, it. Uh, it's really, really good. But you just kind of described the, the <laughs> nutshell of what happens with this yes. crazy dysfunctional family that does not have a succession plan for a major media company. It's really good. I will. I will watch yeah. it. I, I can tell you, you know, I'm kind of like, is it the 
Farmer's commercial, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be able to pick it apart. You'll be like, that would never happen. (laughs) Oh, funny. (laughs) All right. So you talk about succession by design. What does that mean? So that's a little bit different than exit. So now we're talking about a succession. It's the same thing. Succession or exit by design, not default. So everyone, unless you're not ever going to die, everyone's going to have an exit including horizontal. A horizontal exit is an exit. But are you going to, I mean, there's, you know, as Paul Simon said, there's 50 ways to leave your lover. There's not that many ways to leave your business. Are you going, is it catastrophic, premature death? Is it sale to a third party? Is it inside transfer? Is it no sell by sell? Or, you know, Renee hopes she just goes off to the Cape and hopes that the firm just continues to run with no issue. If you don't have a plan by design, you will eventually have a plan by default. Mm. Somebody makes you an offer. It's not enough. You get distracted because you don't know what the number should be because you've never had your firm valued. Yeah. And that's, you know, everybody's going to have an exit without, without question. How often should someone have their business valued? Is this something that happens every five years, every year? Think about you wanting to buy one of my clients' businesses. Fabulous female CEO. I'm thinking of the one in Wisconsin. You wanted to buy it. And and we have year-over-year valuation, market-level valuations of the business. And we hand them to you and say, here you go. Here's the last six years' valuation. By the way, these numbers, we're not playing horseshoes and hand grenades. This is, we know that the business mm-hmm. is worth this. So sharpen your pencil and let us know what your offer is. Okay. I mean, every year, it's not nuclear physics. We started doing it because M&A firms only wanted to do it one time, hoping that they would woo you enough to sell right then. They didn't want to right. do it year over year. That's why we started doing it. Is there a good rule of thumb as to what someone can look at as to what their business is worth? Like I've heard people say like one and a half times gross revenue. Um, is there something like that or is it just so much more detailed? It, it's it's a lot more than that. It, if you're a service firm, it's probably going to be a revenue multiple. If you're a manufacturing, it's going to be an EBITDA because mm-hmm. you've got accumulated depreciation. You're going to get to to redo um, it, it can be a multiple of EBIT. It can be an asset sale. It just depends on the business. It truly does. What are you seeing as in terms of industries um, and people that you're working with that have the the most likely success for exits? Like, are there particular industries that look really good and others that are really not great for it? Well-run manufacturing companies that have a strategic plan, well thought out key executive retention plan are very popular. The multiples in all industries are kind of coming down right now because the economy's cooling off a little bit. It's been insane. It has been insane over the last few years. I truly think, you know, service industries are getting hit a little bit if they're starting to see a pullback. Manufacturing if they're diversified enough, they're doing really well. Clients that have customer concentration issues, I'll, I'll use you as an example. 
if 20% of your business comes from one place and all of a sudden that firm is having troubles, that's going to impact your valuation significantly. Mm. Okay. So what should someone be doing right now? Someone who's listening, who has a business, they're stuck working in it. What should, what should they be thinking about? Or what, what's a takeaway that they can start doing immediately to start setting the business up for some sort of succession plan? For starters, make it less owner-centric. How do I get to a point where I can take six months off if, if I'm ill or just want to take six months and go to the Caribbean yeah. and the business continues to run, what steps do I have to take to get it there? Mm. I have a client, in fact, I've got a call today with who was one of the smartest things I've ever seen somebody do. He announced the middle of May about five years ago, I'm leaving in two weeks and I'll be gone till Labor Day. And you're not to call me unless it's an emergency. Needless to say, the key executives were a little anxious. They called him five, six, seven times. The second time he did it unannounced, they called him twice. One of them was just to catch up. So owner centricity would be the first thing I do. And the way you do that is making sure that your key executives are aligned, rewarded, and retained to help you grow the business. And they will take stuff off of your plate. What if you're less owner centric? What if you're a smaller business and you don't necessarily have that organizational structure in place? So, what if you're a business that has ten employees and not necessarily a CFO, a CEO, you know, a vice president? What should they be doing? Come up with a strategic plan of how big and how large they need to get for them to accomplish their exit objectives. Like me, I've got, including me, there's 11 of us. So I don't have a CFO. I've got a great lady that runs my operation. I've got somebody in charge of business planning, personal planning, investment management. I've got, uh, you know, Carly, who you met, who's my branding, marketing extraordinaire person. And we're set. It's, it's a matter of time before I go, you know, just give talks and work on projects. So it, it's not... It's not as much an employee size as it is, what is the plan? I mean, we're a planning firm. We don't get a cup of coffee without a plan. What is the plan? Are we on track or not? We just manage it and and we know where we're going. And for anyone who's listening and says, there's no way I can do that, you can absolutely do that. Like I'm a prime example of that because I'm, I'm the same way, Jim, like my, I'll, I'll travel I'll disappear and the firm still runs without me. There's still things I do in the business. I need to log on and do some stuff, but I really am not even needed. Like I don't, I actually don't know most of our clients. So if I fell off the face of the earth, they wouldn't care because they've never interacted with me anyway. Um, but that wasn't by design. That was like totally just by mistake. You know, it was like I made the decision not to take clients and then it ended up just evolving in into this. So I didn't do anything strategic. Um, and you know, it's so interesting and it just sort of fell into it. I'm like, oh, I'm like, this works now. What else can I do to set it up? So it continues to work. But that's very similar 
I mean, that's, I mean, let's go back to the, how Reese's was formed, at least on the commercials. You know, somebody with peanut butter stumble into somebody with chocolate. In yeah. my case, I had a guy that said, look, I don't care what all the other stuff you're doing, pack my parachute. In your yeah. case, you just said, you know what? I just want to do something different. I'm tired of having to chase clients. And bingo. Yeah. It happened. I mean, you made the decision, as did I, to to create a business that was less about you and more about the business, more about the firm. Yeah, yeah. And I took my name off of the business. I made that strategic decision to completely, because we used to have people calling all the time demanding that I was their lawyer. And then I completely, I'm just a picture on a website. And not even that prominent, you know, and I completely removed my name. So um, and that was strategic. When I did that, I said, oh, I think I know what I'm doing. I don't know if I know what I'm doing, but I think I do. But it's interesting because we did get a lot of negative feedback because what so our law firm is happy even after family law, which is typically not what happens in law firms. What a great that's a great title. So great we name. had we had some old school lawyers kind of mock it and be like, well, what kind of name is that? Like what kind of law firm? Because every law firm sounds the same. And yeah, but Davis they, Jones, Johnson, yeah. da, 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 yes. And and but what's crazy is the clients were coming because they were like, well, I liked your name. You looked different. I was like, oh, it actually worked. So we get clients who call because the messaging is different. We don't have pictures on our website with, you know, the stack of books behind you as every lawyer has, like just doing something totally different. So, so marketing by branding by design, not default. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, Jim, um, where can someone connect with you and what type of, I mean, tell me about like, who's your ideal client? So anyone listening who's like, okay, I think I'm in a position where I want to start planning and being strategic about my exit. Like who, who is the best person to reach out to you? Carly Turner in our office. Uh, our website is urbanassociates.com, E-R-B-E-N, associates.com. We work, we're in 31 states, maybe 32. I forget. I'm getting ready to go to Montana. We've got a new client out there. But we love family-owned businesses. We love the, the litmus test of great people. We have a no jackass clause. So if you're a jackass, please don't call. <laughs> I want to put that we, on our retainer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, life's too short. We have great clients. We love them. We're, we're an integral part of their world and we have fun with it. But wait a second. Don't you think the jackasses don't know that they're jackasses? They usually think everyone else is the jackass. Well, we'll vet them out. <laughs> As <Awesome>. would you. <laughs> All right. So can you just say your website one more time? Of course, it will be in the show notes. Urban, E-R-B-E-N, Associates, A-S-S-O-C-I-A-T-E-S dot com. I hope I spelled that correctly. <laughs> we'll, we'll have it correctly in the show notes. Just take anyway. my last name and put associates.com and you'll see it there. And you work with industry, all industries, Industry right? agnostic, unless I can, if it's nuclear physics, I could probably figure out a way to work with it. I'm not a nuclear physicist, but it doesn't matter. We work with manufacturing, construction, service. All right. Awesome. One final question. It's the question I ask every single one of my guests. What does winning mean to you? Accomplishing your objectives mm. so you can live happily ever after. Simple, direct. I love it. And it's action based. It is. Which I'm, I'm like a big action. Just let's do, yes, do you some are. things. <laughs> I can tell that you are. <laughs> 
Jim, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to have you on here to talk about it because so often on like a lot of female podcasts where there's entrepreneurs, there's a lot of like talking about feeling good and mindset and stuff. And all of that is great and it's important, but also we have to talk about the strategy. Like we have to talk about like doing things like this. So I'm so grateful to have you here and um, have you share your expertise and wisdom uh, with all of my listeners. Well, and I I love your She Who Wins. It is awesome. Thank you so much. Another great branding. You're doing great work. Thank you. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.